The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. I'd be the greatest man in the world because I can say I got the greatest girl. Top four cuppity cup action as Red Star ladies go through to the final and set up the in-betweeners derby semi and a chance for a clean sweep season while the Red Star men stumble to Florida in stoppage time once again. We'll talk about all of that and some truly scandalous VAR decisions on this Perth football podcast. And we're back at the Perth Football Podcast in the beautiful Hush Connective Studios. Thank you again, listener, for putting us in your ear holes or in your car speakers, wherever you're listening. We love having you. Uh, I'm Sean Fry. I'll be your host for the evening alongside me on the microphone because he's got microphone space tonight. You're going to love it. Kalichi Osunwa, producer Kalichi. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back, mate. I've got some space. I made some outlandish comments last week. Yeah. on the podcast, and uh, get the chance to do some more. Fantastic. A diagonally opposite me, Mr. Football WA, Tommy's, Tommy's Dolman. <laughs> Tommy's Dolman or Tommy Dolman's? What's the plural for, for Tommy Dolman? Close enough, Sean. Yeah. Uh, good to be on as always. Yeah, thank you. And very delighted to be joined by Balcada's own uh, wonderful skipper, wonderful goalkeeper, Gabriella Del Busco. Del Busco. Del Dal Busco, come in a little bit closer to the microphone. Don't be shy. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No, uh, standing invitation, as I say to most people that come in. You are welcome anytime. Uh, we're going to dive right in because there's been a lot of top four cup action. Um, I'll quickly uh, preface it all by saying I was down at the Div 1 uh, State League final game, Olympic Kingsway in UWO Netherlands. I can sum that up in about 15 seconds. Ready? Nothing happened. Uh, Michael Zimmerino came off the bench, scored yeah, uh, was put through on goal, scored. That was it. There was n- there was not a lot else. To be fair, I'm very very excited to Olympic Kingsway. I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, but uh, they were just happy to get that undefeated season out of the way and start lifting that trophy. So I- I'm very very excited. Fantastic support. They were really really welcome. But I don't think anyone could dress that game up as very exciting. Before you go, Tommy. Speaking of support, apparently you met someone who was there who Ooh, was a real star of the show. They were the the Navatsis family, uh, Sands Alex Navatsis, who's not with us again today. But yeah, suffice it to say that that Mama and Papa Navatsis are the real stars of the family. And yeah, the uh, Dad was telling me all the records that um, his football team broke back in the days. How many and, years did you go undefeated? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. He'll tell you. We'll get him on the podcast, and we won't have to say a word. Uh, Tommy, I think it's worth mentioning. We've spoken about Kingsway squad previously, and how we think that they've definitely got the quality to be able to test um, a lot of teams in the NPL next season and give it a good shake, like we've seen Sterling in terms of getting to the top four. Um, Kingsway's total of points in the league actually surpassed Sterling's that they got in their promotion season in Division One last year by three. So I, th- I think they, that just that, goes that to show how well they've done. Yeah, I, I was being told fifty-eight points in a in a what twenty-two game season. So fifty-eight out of sixty-six, al- as almost as good as you're going to get. Uh, so. And a lot of really, really quality players. Daniel Harrison, um, I think you mentioned, I, I noticed a very, very tidy midfielder, but uh, a lot of, and, and a lot of experience in your Callum O'Connells and your Shane Cassidy's. We won't talk too much about it because there really wasn't that much to play for that day. And and as I said, the, the game itself was pretty dull, especially considering that um, the big upset Western Knights going down to Subiaco, who were the uh, team in the relegation race with the UWN Edlin. So even if they had got a late equaliser, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have needed to score another four. So there was nothing on the line by the end of it. Um, but congratulations again to Olympic Kingsway. I'm going to really, really enjoy being down there um, for those games. If they're, if You'll have some competition, Sean. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll more, I'm more than happy to take it on. But let's move on to the NPL. We're going to skim over the... Well, not skim over the men's because there were some big games, but we'll dive deeper in now since we've got Gabby into the women's games. But the big, big news... First versus second, Florida Athena are breaking curses left, right, and centre. They broke the 15-year Florida curse to win the league. And the Perth Football Podcast curse that's seen the likes of Friday Zico. Uh, what, what happened they to un- him? Dayan Spaseski. They've all gone on to have terrible games or, or, or their teams have lost the, the weeks after. 
But Floriat have just done what Floriat have been doing all year, winning games late, winning in extra time against Red Star for the second time this season. And it was big Robbie Petkov uh, and a sensational equaliser, as you mentioned earlier before we jumped on by Bailey Brown Montgomery. And I was saying he's lifted his celebration game. Uh, little dandruff, was it, celebration? Need some head and shoulders. Um, but he, yeah, was uh, fantastic again. And and that is quite a duo up top. What did you catch from this game, Tommy? Yeah, it was Floriot doing Floriot things. It's the second time this season they've beaten Red Star with a last gasp winner after that 3-2 win at the campus earlier in the year with those those two late goals. Um, and the dogs, though. Don't forget the dogs, though. So it's a little bit of a jinx. We're not talking about that anymore. It's a little bit of a jinx that um, that, that Red Star have seemingly got against Florida. Um, Red, Florida have got an excellent record against them. So it'll be interesting to see if they do meet them again in the top four final. But yeah, Florida just have that character, don't they? They have that belief to see it through to the end. And they display that again in, in full magnitude again at the weekend. Even even this week, they went behind to Daryl Nichols' 31st goal of the season, um, in the league at least anyway, which, yeah, the, the records are just incredible that he's setting at the moment in terms of the goals he's putting on the board. But it was a different battle from Florida at the weekend. They came from behind and, and they got the chocolates and they're straight through the top four cup final. As I was saying, I was at the the Kingsway game. Um, so I had to catch up on the, the highlights of all the other, what was going on at halftime. And... Just because of Kalichi's prediction, obviously, that Daryl Nicker was going to be the leading goal scorer and he's been thoroughly vindicated there. Um, he, uh, I, I, I'm watching this just every time Red Star score a goal. I've got nothing against Daryl, but every time they score a goal, I'm like, please don't let it be Nickel again. And I'm watching this and I'm just like, the ball's come in. I'm like, yes, he's nowhere near it. There's no way this is scoring. There's no way he gets it. <laughs> Somehow he's got magnets in his boots. The ball comes out to him. By hook or by crook, deflection, clearance, tackle, it ends up at his feet some one way or another or on his head. And, uh, yeah, he's just got that instinct, doesn't he? Just incredible positioning and it can just look fortunate. Obviously, he's got a lot of wonderful goals that there's absolutely no luck about. But the number of times that he's just in the right spot, there's so much more to it. And I'll let you jump in on this, Kalichi, because he's your man. But, yeah, th- th- there's no luck about it, is it? He is just uh, – uh, he's – got the all the tools to score wonderful goals but he's got the fox in the box stuff as well it's the hardest thing to do in football scoring goals right like and to have someone who can do it in so many different ways and so many clinical ways of doing it as well and also get involved with the play um, make assists um, help with them build up his play as well it's 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 incredible and, and you can see the difference that it can make to a team where like we talk about it quite a lot, Sean, in terms of being, are you a team that is good in both boxes? Are you a team that's good between the 18-yard boxes in terms of controlling midfield and attacking phase of play? But if you're a team that are decent in your own box, but amazing scoring goals in the opposition's box, then you're going to have a chance. And with Darren Nickel, you've got a chance. Like you, you can almost pencil in for saying, oh, you might get a goal today. Like you'll probably get a goal today. And, and if you're going into games going, we just need a clean sheet, that's half the battle done because it's the hardest thing to do with score goals. And you're right. Like I was watching that video as well and I was going, oh, he's nowhere near this goal. It can't be him. Oh, it's him again. Wowzers. But but then another player that's just been scoring goals for fun since he's come back from injury, Robert Petkov, I, I noted, uh, I think they had the scoreless draw, um, obviously in the penultimate round. And he, before that he'd scored, I think eight out of 10 in eight out of the last 10 games um, set up, uh, obviously Bailey for both of his goals uh, in the, on the final day to win the league. And now he scored the winner as well. Robert Peckov is, is in some form. And oh, I don't know, how do you stop him in a final, Tommy? It's it's fitting, isn't it, that Brown Montgomery and Petkov have been the two guys up top that have sort of led the charge. We, we knew the Petkov's quality. We saw it in the night series final where he got two all those months ago in the early part of the season. And then he had that spell out with injury and there was a lot of games in the middle portion of the season where Brown Montgomery really sort of carried the team with um, the odd goal in a 1-0 win or with a hat-trick performance away at Sorrento most notably. It's so good to see him, Peckoff, come back and the two of them just link up. Like, yeah. I, 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 you don't see it very often. Like he's he's really got his chance, Bailey, off of the injuries to Peckoff, uh, and and McManus and, and other players as well. I, I just wanted to bring Gabby in as well. Um, obviously, when you've playing in a team, Gabby, and you can see that you're looking at your, your strike force and they're really gelling. And how, how much confidence does that give to the team overall, especially to the defence, knowing that they've got that outlet up there all the time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like what Kalishi was saying before, if you've got that 
strong bond at the back um, and you're, you're, you're good in your own sort of 18-yard box. To then have the trust in the people in the opposition's 18-yard box is, is very reassuring. It's probably something we'll move on to the, the, the other men's game, something that's sterling. Be, be, before you do, can we have a word on the individual goal that, that Bailey scored? Brilliant. Yeah, go for it. That's but, your yeah, word. Amazing. Word. Stunning. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, again, he's a little bit to what, obviously he's not scored as many goals as Daryl Nickel, but one thing that Brown Montgomery has done this season is he's scored all types of goals. And important goals as well. And important goals as well. He's stepped up in the big moments. He, we know he's a confident guy. We know he's got that bit of attitude, that bit of spunk about him, and he's and he delivers and he backs it up, and that's all you can really ask. Look, all, all I want to say is I know Bailey does listen to this. His ego's big enough already. We've already talked about five minutes talking about how wonderful he is. Bailey, you are wonderful. You've had a fantastic season. You better do it in the final now. Pressure's on. Um, yeah, props on the celebrations. that They're much improved. But let's move on to a team that is struggling, as Gabby, you were saying, having that uh, attacking outlet that, and knowing that your front three, front four, front two, whatever you've got, are going to score goals. It's something that Sterling don't have. And it was on show again uh, against Sorrento. Uh, every time I've spoken to James Bosdett uh, during the season, he said, we're just not clicking in the final third. We're just making the wrong decisions. We're not. We are keeping defensively. Um, uh, Bozzi's made a bunch of brilliant saves himself. He's had a great season. Um, but defensively, they are absolutely impeccable. They are just so solid. Best in the league. But they just... <laughs> But they just cannot, and, and I don't know what it is. Uh, any ideas? Kalichi's got some ideas. They have the talent. They have some really top, top players. But is it decision-making? Is it is it tactics? What is it? I don't think it's tactics because their entire setup, and when you can you can clearly see that watching that Sorrento game, is they can get from Bosdit right up to the front line. They can do that almost all the time. And, and uh, Davies in midfield, Palmer at the back, Yankalovsky at the back, Calvin Whitney in midfield as well. They create play. They can get to the opposition 18. And Sorrento played a real deep line game where they sat back. They sat back, especially after they scored their first goal. And it just became a case of, can we break? Can we get it to Gustavo? Can we get some magic that happens? And unfortunately, they just don't have that right now. And I think the, the biggest problem for them has been has been Domfe's had a, a, an awful year. And it's been an awful yeah. year because of injuries. It's been an awful year because of confidence. It's been an awful year. I think I think this was also his first year working full-time as an engineer. And there's a lot of pressure. Like We, we forget that these are individuals who have full-time jobs, who have other family commitments and everything like that. What do you do, Gabby? I'm a physio. Oh, okay. That's not bad. But like, so, like, it's like still a, in the same sphere. Yeah. But like a big-time physio for like a big-time company doing neuro like work. Like, Imagine. Okay. We'll, we'll get on talking about how great Gabby is in a minute. Get, carry on about and, Sterling. And so you can you can clearly see, as as Tommy's mentioned, that they are a team who, from 18-yard to 18-yard, they are superb. Inside their own box, they are also superb. Parmit and Yankolovsky have been superb all year. Um, Bosett has been great all year, and when you see the, the results of the votes, you can absolutely tell that that's what the players that are around him also think as well. But it's just been a case of that they can't score goals. The, the positive for them and we've said this all year, is they, they play this one-nilless plenty football. If they score the first goal, it's game over. It's almost like it's almost always game over. It feels like that both ways, though. Yeah. With a competent team, like you said, with, with Sorrento, you know if we get the first goal, we sit back and frustrate them, and, and they're not going to be and able to And that's exactly what happened. Sorrento got the, the headed goal that came in. They sat back, they sat back. They knew that they had a goal scorer in Marlinda, and then late in the game, they put on Scott Wischka, or Vitsche. Vitsche. Sorry. <laughs> Mr. Player Vitsche. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, um, I haven't spoken to him. You have. He, and, ju he just said whiskey's fine. But. And um, and they knew that they'd have a goal in them. And they, unfortunately, Bozit made a mistake. And honestly, go watch the video. It's not really his fault. The pass back that he got back was absolutely awful. He'd have to clear it first time. Goalkeeper's union over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, why? And and, and Vitsche finished it superbly. Um, but yeah, you, you, could, you could absolutely see that when they play games defensively like the entire the entire premise of how they play is we can get the ball from our box to their box can we then score i think with sterling you've got to be higher on them than lower because they do so much right within games i think the good thing is when you're playing in a team and you're conceding a lot of goals then you've got to change a lot you've got to change how you screen your defense you've got to change the makeup of your defense possibly your formation as well there's a lot of things that you do have to sort of mix up. Sterling have got that whole area right in the field and their midfield configuration's good as well. You've mentioned those tidy players. I'll add Sam Wynn to that list as well, another good footballer as well. 
Um, and and Dan Spasewski, when he's played, has been influential as well. He, you can still clearly notice the difference when he's in the team tonight. Um, maybe it's just a matter of just adding some fresher faces up front. Maybe a little bit more pace out on the flanks as well is is something that I think could if the, if they are going to build from the black and back and 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 play that counter attacking brand of football then that little bit of pace as an outlet is possibly something they can use to get higher up the pitch quicker. And I think, I think, sorry, Sean, I think teams have also figured that the best way to play them is to not give them space um, for Tanevsky to kind of get in on the break and then not give them space for Domfei to get in on the break and, and have a whole lot of um, areas to, to attack him. So anyone who's been playing Sterling and has had joy have been the teams who've sat back, who've sat deep, who've gone, we're in our 18-yard box, what can you do in here? And it hasn't been from crosses. They don't do a whole lot of crosses. They do some set plays and some set pieces. And Palmatier was really unlucky with the free kick that hit the post. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a really difficult league and, and difficult to get scorers. But tell you what, if they go and get Darren Nickel for some strange reason next year, you'd be tipping them to win the league. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And we, I think we need to all remember that they are newly promoted as well. So so let's let's not forget that they have just come in. And it's it's testament to them that we do not think about them at all as a newly promoted team. We think about them as a top four side because they've just come in. Everyone we've spoken to, we've spoken to Fergie, we've spoken to Bozzett, we've spoken to Spaseski, we've spoken to everyone at Sterling, and they've all said, we're not here to make up the numbers right from the start. And even though they're going to win the season without any silverware, I, I think it's it's an incredible effort, an incredible first year back in the top flight. And and they'll be up there again next year. So, so hats off to Sterling, fantastic effort. Um, but we will see uh, now Sorrento take on Red Star. Uh, is that Tuesday or Wednesday night? Tommy, when's... Uh, so that's tomorrow night at tomorrow night. Red Star Arena. So probably tonight if you're listening to this, if you've got to subscribe, please, if you don't have subscribed to us, subscribe, like, rate, share. I always forget to say that at the end. There's no, no pressure on me to get this out tonight then. It really, Well, you always do, mate. You're always, you, you've always got it out before. If you, if you don't, I will... No, I'm not going to make any bets again because that just got me in trouble last time. Um, then we've got uh, the big one, it's, which is either going to be Floriot Red Star again or Floriot Sorrento. Uh, that'll be obviously on Saturday. Uh, where's that going to be, Tommy? And what do we have to do? So so Dorian Gardens will be where the top four cup finals are hosted. Um, I believe there's 10 or 11 games across the weekend. So uh, you and I will be busy as we were last year, Sean. Get I, down there. I would, I would like to just go back quickly and have a word on Sorrento because um, what they've done in getting those two results at Macedonia Park over the past couple of weeks has been Huge. A, a really good achievement from them. Um they're a team who were top of the league after eight rounds this season when they won in the regional game down in Bustleton. And then they just had that bit of a mid-season slump. And for they, they, I did some research on one of the games um, that I was doing later on in the season, and they hadn't beaten a top six team up until about round 18 or 19 of the campaign. And at the business end of the season, they've delivered. They've made it work. They've, they've, they've beaten Red Star. They've beaten Sterling twice. They beat Inglewood twice as well. One of those was that crucial game in hand from back in round seven. And so. they did it without Jackson this weekend as well. And Jackson's coming back and he'll be fresh for this game. Correct. And what and what Sorrento are really good at doing is they're really good at getting the ball from the back to the front as soon as possible. They play for territory and they're very they're very happy to express that and they're unashamedly happy to do that. And that's and that's a good tactic because when you've got Marylander and Jackson up front, you've got those two talented forwards. Get the ball to them as soon as quickly and then wait for the likes of Dean Cummings and Joe Tweets to support from midfield because they're really good midfield. Um, um, and the work that Tim Hill does well. off yeah. and on the ball well, is superb. We'll see what they can do tomorrow night against uh, Red Star and uh, for the chance to play for it in that final on Saturday. We're going to be back in a second. And uh, Gabby, start warming up because you're, uh, you, you're going to be thrown into the action now. We're going to talk the women's NPL top four after this. And we're back for part two. Now, normally you'd uh, start a podcast with the opening question. I like to just forget to do it and then throw it in later. Um, we are going to jump into a bit of, going to dump in, jump in to a bit of VAR chat. Uh, obviously, when we get to the international stuff in the Premier League, one of the most shameful decisions of all time. Um, so that was the uh, inspiration for my opening question. Uh, which is none of us have played at a high enough level to have video assistant referee technology. Has there been a moment? And as soon as I broached this to Kalichi, he jumped through the roof because he has a moment, I'm sure. So we'll start with you. A moment that you wish that VAR existed in your footballing career. Let me paint the scene for you as well. For all of you who don't have um, 
and Fantasia. <laughs> um, so that's that thing where you can't visualize um, objects. Anyway, go on, Kalichi. It's uh, it's my second season at Backpackers FC. I'm coaching. I'm a player coach. We have just lost our first game against Brooklyn's 3-1 for a chance to go undefeated. We're now playing our second game, and it's against a team who are in third. I've made some tactical changes. One of our best players, Damian O'Callaghan, is playing in the midfield, and I've said, Damo, go play out wide. I'll play in the midfield. I'll just destroy and, and, and pass and destroy and pass. All I want you to do tactically, defensively, is just work on the fullback, and then when we have the ball, just play your normal game. Come inside, do all that other stuff. We've, like, we've played well, we've played off, we've played off. They've just sat back and sat back and sat back. Ball breaks out to me. I've made this overlapping on on the right, and I get there by the byline at the six-yard box, like byline. It's about to go over the line. It, it's it's actually nowhere near going over the line. I've come back, crossed it in. Damo's walked in from the left, as he's been instructed to do from the coaching perspective, smashed it in. It's 1-0. It's about 80 minutes in, and we're going, like we're celebrating. And some jackass has put his flag up it's their own linesman. He's put his flag up said, oh, it's definitely out. I, I don't have kids, but if I did, I would swear on their lives that that ball did not even go near the touchline, and I wish we had VAR for that. Well, that's, that's one. That, and again, it was a meaningless Division 5 league, but still. That's, <laughs> that's one you've got to put on the on-field ref, I reckon. Surely you can't take the linesman's never, uh, job. Not even close. I mean, I mean, I can say I would love to have had VAR for almost every single offside decision I didn't give. We've already talked oh, about the man. amount of abuse I got running the line for backpackers from backpackers players. We then lost that game 1-0, <laughs> by the way. Well, that make that makes it even worse. So, so my my answer would be any any one of those times where I I didn't flag for offside because one of your fullbacks was playing someone on Matt Oglesby. Uh, <laughs> it was fifty percent of the fullbacks. I think uh, Ali was the other one who also did his fair share of um, playing players onside. Um, but I think for me personally, before I throw to you, Tommy, you've had time to think about it, so I hope you've got one ready. Um, the, the, it wasn't even given, but uh, <laughs> I was. It was a socials game um, for Krakowia. And no, hang on. It might have been uh, Inter Calcio. I, I can't remember. One of these ones. Anyway, one of the meaningless, useless, low-level social games that I played. Um, but I was centre half. It was, a, it was a corner. Ball's come in. Um, it's sort of broken to the, just a mess at the top of the 18-yard box. And I've just scrambled back to the line to get on the line in case, you know, I need to clear a shot off the line. And it comes in, almost wins me, hits me like in that, just, just under your solar plexus there, like to the point where I'm like struggling for breath and I've just hoofed it away. And the amount of complaining and just handball, ref, what are you doing? It's a handball. And I'm just like, bro, I can't breathe. I know this isn't a handball. Like I just don't. And, and it goes to the end of the game. I think we won one nil. And and it was just like players wouldn't shake hands. They were having ten. Oh. There was mostly one or two. There was just just that complain about everything. And I was just like, man, I just wish you could see it. Like I I don't even. I'm not trying to cheat you. I just it it hit me in the stomach. Please I don't know what you believe want me, to say. me. Please believe uh, me. Tommy, go. Well, apart from a similar line to Kalichi in terms of any biased parent official who puts the flag up five minutes after. Um, the decision could have possibly made when someone is literally about to run through on goal. Uh, we had one the other week at five aside, which was basically <laughs> the goalkeeper came flying out of the area and clearly punched the ball outside of the arc, clearly. And we've looked over. That's pretty ref, yeah. And the ref's on his phone. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to name the, the, the venue that this uh, where we play futsal on a Wednesday night. But uh, yeah. Not Lords, is it? No. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I've, I've definitely seen that a few times at Five Aside. Uh, Gabby, you must have a moment or two that you can think of where you wish that you know either it was offside, you know the ball didn't cross the line. Give us something. Yeah, there was actually, uh, we probably had two decisions in the one game. One was at my end and one was at the other end. I think it was maybe against NTC a few years ago. I came out and the NTC players dinked it over me. I'm backtracking and I've done like, a pretty decent leg to get to the ball. I'm no athlete, but I, I was like breaking pace here and I've swiped at the ball to clear it out. And the lino has flagged it for a goal. And I remember I just got up and I ran the 50 meters. to the <laughs> like, How can you call that in? That's not in. It didn't go over the line. I might've, but the ball didn't. Wow. But was there video footage of that then? No, it was before our games were being streamed. Oh, so. that's even worse. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, those bloody. Did you end. get booked? 
I probably did. You probably deserved it as well. Uh, rega- regardless, of, regardless of the mistake. So I was going to say those pesky NTCers, they've only gone and had the best uh, game of their season, as Fernando was telling me at the, um, saw him at the Olympic Kingsway game. Is that how you saw it, Tommy? Yeah, I think it was a very mature performance from Hyundai NTC. I know Gabby was there as well, and we'll get her thoughts on it in a minute. But uh, I thought NTC were able to control possession. Um, they, they were really good on the ball. They were really slick. They were really clean. And they didn't panic either. Um, we know Fremantle are a good side, a lot of quality in that team. Jamie Lee Gale, Laura Waltman, Michaela Lyons, um, Jess Margo um, as well. But they really stood up. And it was a full team performance as well. That was the most impressive thing. Uh, obviously, Tanika got her goal. Iskia Brooking got the first of the night as well with a deflective shot. A little bit of luck there. But when you you got a big... You've got to be lucky enough sometimes. You've got to be good it. enough as well. And um, I thought Lily Bailey also had a really good game as well. She made a couple. She made a double save from Jess Del Margo inside the first five minutes, which was mm. crucial. And I think Jenna Harnwell also came off the bench and made a goal line clearance as well. So, um, yeah, everybody from the top end of the pitch to the, um, to the rear guard um, played to a really high level for NTC on the night, and they deserved their passage through to the preliminary final. I've mentioned a few times in our group chat, you, you'd be able to back me up on this, that I really like Lily Bailey as I obviously picked her as the, the Mano footballer of the game when they lost to Red Star um, because I just think she has that bravery and intensity as a very, very young age. So I'm really excited about where she can take her career. Um, so I was just going to throw to you, Gabby, and say, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on her? What have you seen from her as a, as a top-level goalkeeper? Yeah, look, I thought she was really impressive in the in the final semi-final the other night and has been all season. You know, she's had a couple of moments where you can definitely see her young age, um, but it'll be, yeah, really good to see how she progresses as she develops in this league as a goalkeeper and she, as a player. She, I always say it, but she's in the right environment for it, isn't she, where they're encouraged to make mistakes and... and you say that, yep, yeah, she she'll make the odd mistake. I've seen Manuel Neuer come out and look like an absolute goose on occasion because if you are going to be a very very top level goalkeeper, you need to take those risks and you need to be confident that you can make a mistake and then still have the backing of your your team and your coaches, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're definitely right about the environment. I think it's it's definitely encouraged to to try those things to try and push yourself to elevate your elevate your game. And I think she's yeah she's really doing that. Yeah, well, uh, what did you make of the game? I thought as a spectator, it was it was a really good game to watch. You know, it was quite quite end to end in the football that was played, and I think both teams defended and attacked really well. You know, Laura Waltman was cleaning up at the back where she needed to. The young girls in the NTC backline were were cleaning up where they needed to, and it was really nice to see some of their fifteens um, step up during that game um, and really put on good performances. Yeah, I, I was at the game as well and um, spoke to Ben Anderton and he, he said, you can watch the video as well, but um, he, he made a point of saying that obviously they had lost to Frio the week before and said that he wanted them to show personality. He wanted them to be brave on the ball, brave in their tackles, make sure that they were super physical and, and you could you could see that from everybody in that game and and feel for Laura Waltman because she had a superb game as well. Superb performance, made some real good last as tackles. Um, same goes for Tasha Rigby. I, I watched that game and thought this is the best player I've, I've seen on, on a women's field by, by far in terms of the work rate, in terms of the energy, the imagination, um, the amount of ground that she covers at the same time as well. Um, but then, uh, I, I, sorry, I say all that to say uh, about Laura that, that Tanika just had this this moment right towards the end where she was just too big, too strong, too fast and, and managed to seal the game for them. And, and um, it'd be a, a bad podcast without someone mentioning Tanika. What Lalo a season she's had. And, and, and the season yeah. she's Fernando had. Was, Fernando was raving about her when I, when I saw her on Saturday, just that for, for, for number nine at her age to play the way she does, she, she plays like an experienced number nine. And it's, and, she, and how old is she? 18. 18 now. Yeah. 18. It's, it, in, incredible. Um, and, I think the most exciting thing, that was the Friday night game, wasn't it? Um, and then Sunday, uh, we'll talk about a little bit about Red Star 1, Perth Soccer Club nil. Um, but it sets up... Football Friends. Football Friends. It sets up the Football Friends derby between uh, Ben Anderton and Pete Rakic again. It's currently Sem- 3 Semi-final of the top four cup. And... Uh, NTC just, just, have just, the just wood quietly. over them. Let's let's go back to the game. Let's rewind a little bit first. Just quietly, a feel for Pete because um, his household would be really hilarious to be in his household right now. 
we'll just leave it at, uh, at, at if you know, you know. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, rewind a little bit before we get into the Football Friends derby. Uh, we have the little matter of the Perth Red Star 1, Perth Soccer Club nil. Give us a little summary of that one, TD. Yeah, it was a first half of probably few clear-cut chances. I think both teams really cancelled themselves out in midfield in the first half of the game. I thought um, Perth, without Zoe, really stepped up. Um, I thought um, Sophia Papalia had a really good game. Uh, she's sort of come into the team um, late on in the campaign and has done really well. Jamie Gibbons, I thought, had did a good job as well screening that midfield. Interesting change from from Pete Rakic as well. He sort of played um, Liana Cook as a right back and Faye Phillips as a right winger. I don't know if you noticed that, Gabby, but that's something a little bit different to what we've seen because normally the roles are sort of reverse, reverse there. But, um, yeah, in the second half, I felt that Red Star got a little bit of control of the midfield in, at the beginning of the second period with Billum, uh, Bennett and Coleman. They really sort of came to the fore and then... Right at the end of the game, um, Perth rallied. Um, just, well, we'll go back to the goal. Uh, Carla Bennett scored it, obviously. Uh, shot off the underside of the bar, crossed the line, bounced out. I wasn't sure uh, whether the goal was going to be given, even though I could see from where I was sat that the ball had clearly crossed the line. Uh, but the goal was rightfully given, thankfully. And just to give people some context, as a, as a commentator, even if you've seen what's happened, you're, you, you can't really speak on it, can you? Well, you're kind of in limbo because you're sort of looking at the referees and you're sort of going, give me a, can I get a decisive um, indication as to whether this is actually a goal? So there was a little bit of limbo. Thankfully, we got through it. You, um, you didn't have the really outrageous over the top Mike Dean hand gestures. Is that what you're saying? You need a bit more Mike Dean in your life. Uh, you can never have enough Mike Dean in your life. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, Perth rallied at the end of the game and they, they, created um, some problems for Red Star in the last five minutes. They went a lot more direct. They had some set pieces. And Abby Meekins headed over header. the bar from, mm. from six yards out. And, and she'll be ruining that one. She she scores all sorts of goals from 30 yards out. But the, but the one that she's probably the easiest one that she's had all season, she, she put over. So a bit of a blow for them. But they do get a second chance. And, and Gabby, you, you watched the game as well, I believe. Did you have some thoughts on the... On their match? Yeah, I caught a little bit of it. Um, I think it was it was one of those games that was dominated by midf- the midfielders from both teams. You know, they they kept the ball between themselves, turned it over. Perth kept the ball between themselves, and there weren't as many. I guess it was, there weren't as many shots on goal as say the other semi final on the Friday. But definitely in the last you know five ten minutes, Perth definitely could have equalised and and um, created some problems for Red Star. What make what make those two teams so good? Like, as obviously you, you've been in the competition, you're in the night series final against um, against Red Star as well. One of, one of the only two teams to take a point off of Red Star as well, just quietly. Yeah, what, what makes them so good or so difficult to play against? Yeah, I think Red Star, they're one of those teams that their core group have been together for such a long time that they could just about play with their eyes closed and know where each other are. So I think that definitely definitely works to their advantage in high game you know high pressure games like finals but also in league games as well they just have that awareness of each other and that that chemistry that gel across the pitch and for perth i think perth perth have some quality players uh this year that they've recruited i guess over the time since coming into the npl so just seeing those players kind of develop together they've kind of again same sort of thing kept a few of those core players together that are now starting to develop a a prolific squad Red Star haven't been behind all season in the league since the night series final, which Gabby played in, which is quite a staggering thing. They've only conceded nine goals all year, and I think only two teams have scored multiple goals, i.e. more than one. So it's a stunning run that they're on. I just, I just, thank, you I just, that, thank you for that dictionary definition of multiple, by the way. I, I just, I just wonder whether teams, um, I don't know what you think about this, Gabby, are ag- aggressive enough towards them at the beginning of the on. games. Yeah, I think, oh, look, I think there's there's a, an oh, element of intimidation or that, you know, oh, we're playing Red Star, you know, we've got to expect a really tough game. And I don't know whether that makes teams start on a bit of a back foot, maybe a bit more passive than, um, I guess, compared to Red Star, who kind of come out the gate straight away every week. So I don't know whether it's teams just not being prepared for that or whether it's just, you know, the quality of Red Star, you know, you can't. You definitely can't fault that they have that quality in the squad. Well, it's a good chance to segue over to you, uh, Gabby, and your side, is because when you played them in the final round, yeah, you de- I don't think uh, your girls took a back step at all, um, and certainly put it right to Red Star. I mean, there's the obvious caveat that they're 
looking for an undefeated season. They got it in the end. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'll just quickly wrap up the games coming up. So Wednesday night will be the uh, the Friends Derby, uh, Perth NTC. Football friend. And then the winner uh, will play... Red Star. Red Star on... Saturday. 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 Do you know what time? 4.45 p.m., I think. Oh, yeah. it's going to be a belt up. Make sure, just get down to Dorian Gardens, right, for the whole day, because it's, it's always a fantastic day. Um, let's get over to you, Gabby. While we've got you in here, uh, we might as well talk about you. Might as well talk about Balcata, um, because they're probably the two things you know best, starting with yourself. I hope you know yourself well. Do you know yourself? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just give us a little bit of a background. Who, who Gabby Del Busco, how'd you get into football, and how'd you end up at Balcata? Yeah, it's actually quite funny. I started playing football by playing netball, actually. Um, I was playing with a friend of mine who had started playing soccer that year. She was the only girl on her team. And she said, hey, why don't you come down, have a kick, see if you like it. And that was that. The rest is history, I guess. So I actually started out at Florida Athena playing with the boys. And I stayed there for a few years and then moved over to Balcata to play in an all-girls team. Um, and then was lucky enough to get selected into NTC, where I stayed for quite a number of years before I kind of aged out of the program um, and then made my way back to Balcatta where I'd played with a number of girls there from NTC or from playing at Balcatta as a junior as well. What was that like, um, that, that first time when you got to play in an all-girls team? Look, it was definitely different. I think growing up playing with boys, you kind of just learn to <laughs> learn to rough it up with them and learn to expect that you know, you're the only girl on the team, somebody might not tackle you as hard. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when you're all on a level playing field, each to their own, go for it. You, you've seen, I was just about to say, you've seen a lot of young players come through Balcatter and obviously you've played with quite a lot as well. And a lot of the girls do play boys football before they do come into the MPLW women's competition. Do you see a benefit from a, from a playing perspective in these girls playing boys for a certain period of time or would you ideally in an ideal world like to see the girls play girls football from an earlier age? I guess I guess a bit of both you know playing I definitely see the benefit playing with boys from a young age you know you learn that physicality of the game you learn that speed of the game especially as you know boys get older they get quicker um, but yeah I think the women's game is is definitely something different when you're older it tends to be a lot more physically and tactically orientated rather than speed. I, I do think as we gradually phase we talk a lot about this Kalichi and I'm sure when we do our podcast during the Women's World Cup which we're all incredibly excited about um, but but we talk all the time about how uh, the growing up playing a sport and growing up playing sport in general is is going to make you faster stronger tougher more fearless um, and as more and more girls start growing up having idols to, to, or people, players to idolise um, of their own gender and being able to see that, hey, there's a pathway into this sport, the level is going to improve and improve and improve. And we've already seen that. That that I, I rave about it all the time, but that Euros that we just saw is some of the best football I've seen. It was like, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was just electric and, and England winning was, was great. I, I love seeing the England women win. I'm glad I've never seen the England men win because uh, I, I wouldn't enjoy that as much. Um, but but do you, are you seeing that yourself, Gabby? Do you feel like young girls are now growing up and, and yourself being able to be someone that the young girls going down to Balcatta can watch you? And uh, yeah, how, how do you see the development of, of the game in terms of those young kids growing up being able to play football? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, especially for myself, you know, growing up, women's sport wasn't something that was seen in the media like it is now or I guess to say take it as seriously is probably not very political. No, that's fair. No, absolutely. To say, no, it's, it's definitely having, true. Having, I guess, those male role models as your sole figures for what an elite athlete looks like, especially in football, um, having now having female equivalents of that is really important for young girls. Because you didn't age. have, when, when you were growing up, when you first started playing, you didn't have a Sam Kerr or a Beth Mead or any of these like the, who are world superstars now, did you? There were no, no. It was none? all they were all, I guess, male. You know, male players. So for me, you know, Buffon was was a big one for me. He was, he was all right. Um, who? Who's that? <laughs> so you know, players like that were were my role models growing up. So now for girls to have you know players like Sam, there leading the charge for for women in football is is really astounding, and to think that I can be the equivalent of that at Balcatta is is really nice to nice to think. But it also extends the possibilities, right? Like you had a stint at the Glory, 
and to to think about the fact that you could now potentially have another scent of the glory or or future people could have a scent of the glory and not have to make a decision between whether they go, look, am I going to play for 400 bucks for this entire season or am I actually going to get a potentially $60,000 a year contract and I get to play this professionally? Like that is huge. And well, I think that's huge anyway. And and I think, you know, even, even the fact that there is now infrastructure for girls, there are now changing rooms for girls. There are now just all these things that you don't think of as a comfort thing, as a just as just a, as just regular things. So the fact that these things are happening, it just feels so promising. And I've got a I've got a friend who who has a, a young daughter who's playing at Bassendine, and she is phenomenal. Like she is, hopefully gets put into this infra- infrastructure now. Tell her to come to Balcata. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 we're, we're we're literally saying, all right, well, where do we where do we put her? And and the options are so cool because there's so many of it to happen right now and it's not a case of saying oh the only team that does all girls is Fremantle so you're gonna have to drive all the way from Bassendine to Fremantle all the time like, and I think that is so awesome and positive for the girls yeah. coming up as well I was just going to ask you a little bit more about Balcata the club as well firstly Gabby you've obviously been there for a long period of time and they were one of the first teams or the, one of the first clubs to really sort of pioneer women's football and, and Lisa Tana played a massive role in that and she was somebody who was involved with the club for a long time even in terms of the women's uh, Premier League, the old women's Premier League that was there. Um, and and I know the club do a lot with, with the Bambini program and all that sort of thing as well. So can you tell us a little bit about what the club are doing in terms of those programs and maybe just a little bit on the past and, and what someone like Lisa did for, for the club as well? Yeah, I mean, Lisa Tana is, is a prolific figure in women's football in WA. And, you know, she's done so much at Balcata. Um, personally for myself and a lot of girls that I've played with for a long time to really fight for for, you know, Balcata to be a competitive women's team and to be one of the leaders in women's football in WA. So, yeah, full credit to her. She's done an amazing job. But, yeah, also setting up the the Bambini program with Justine Bonzers and the the Diopera Twins, Mon- Monique and Talia. So they've done a, a really good job at setting up that program that's not only aimed at just developing the next generation of footballers but particularly young girls wanting to wanting to get involved in the game as well. So it's been... Yeah, really nice to see that program develop over the years and, and to see some of those girls then end up in juniors teams um, has been really good to see. And look, before we move on to the world game, uh, I don't actually know who you Who's your Premier League team? Do you have one? Oh, Man United. Oh, oh they're yeah. back. Sorry. How do, we get, so how do we get so many of these Sorry. as well? And they have to always come in when they win, don't they? <laughs> actually, no, they don't. They haven't won much recently, but big win last night. Before we get on to that, um, how do you grade the season? This Obviously, it was a disappointing semi-final against Perth, obviously to, to lose on penalties and you've obviously had an interrupted season in and out and with COVID and, and other players as well. But overall, uh, what's your assessment of Balcata's year this year? Yeah, I think we had a really strong night series and that was, I guess, quite evident, making the final against Red Star and, and holding out right until the the end of the game. Even though we, you know, we went behind, we didn't stop fighting the whole game. And I think then transitioning into week one of the season, kind of the week after that final, uh, kind of disrupted the start to our season. We had a lot of tired bodies. We obviously picked up injury to Kim during the during the um, final as well. Um, and I think just, I guess, inconsistent would be the, the buzzword of the season. You know, we had a bit of a rocky start, only playing kind of once every fortnight um, with interruptions due to COVID postponements. Um, and that then spiralled into you know, two to three games in a seven-day window. So it was, yeah, very hard to kind of generate momentum. We had a nice little period in the middle of the season where we put in some consistent performances and got ourselves into the top four. But, um, yeah, I guess those performances didn't hold us out for the rest of the season. We definitely had some some ups and some downs and obviously being out with COVID for the semi-final mm. was that's a hard one, especially when it goes down to a, a shootout as well, where you certainly could have played a factor. Last questions with you, Tommy. Let's go. I was just about to say you kind of hit on on my point a little bit, Gabby. But um, throughout the first few years that I've been sort of covering the league, I, I always tend to see Balcatter as a bit of a streaky team. Like you've got the ability to go on a on a six or seven game unbeaten run, but then not win a game in seven. And that must be so frustrating because you see that the talent is there and you are putting that run together in, in periods. I think you only drew two games last season. So that kind of goes to show like what what sort of streakiness that you do have. So what's the key to getting that consistency back going forward into, into 2023 and not just doing it for little bursts? Yeah, look, I think we've had 
you know, as, as have other teams, I think we've had a lot of injuries and uh, illness that have kind of struck us down over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, having coaching staff changes from season to season also probably hasn't helped the situation. But, you know, the, we have a very special group of girls down at Balcatta that have been able to take that on board, you know, that adversity and kind of roll with roll with it and kind of bunch together and and show what we're made of. You know, like you said, Tommy, we can we can be a good team on on the day. You know, we were one of two teams to not lose against yeah. Red Star. Um, so, you know, we're definitely, we have the, we have the talent and the group to prove it. It's just, yeah, putting that in consistently. Yeah. Well, there's certainly been some uh, good, great team performances, uh, by your, your lot this year, some great individual performances as well. Um, yeah, we'll hopefully see more of it next year. We'd love to see you challenging for some silverware, but that's all for the, uh, NPL women's for now. We'll obviously be back next week to wrap up. Uh, what's going to be a huge, uh, we've already mentioned that the Football Friends semi-final and the winner of that taking on Red Star looking for the clean sweep. Floriot looking for the treble and the men's cannot wait for this weekend. Get down to Dorian Gardens. We'll see you there. And we'll be back very shortly with uh, a little bit of international football. Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by the good people at the Macron Store Perth. Check out Macron and the Macron Store Perth in Osborne Park and on their social media page. They've been super generous to us in terms of helping us keep the lights on in their sponsorship to the podcast this season. They've also sponsored our end of year or one of our end of year awards, which you'll find out pretty soon as well. And they've been superb in helping us with some grassroots organizations and some grassroots football clubs. For example, Allenbrook Football Club have an end of year event that we will be talking to you about very, very shortly as well. So if you are looking to get some new kit, Maybe the season's finished and your contract is up and you're looking to find out what other opportunities are out there. Check out Macron Store Perth. Check out their social media page or go visit them in Osborne Park. We'll be back with part three. Now, we're not going to meld it into part two, Tommy, because we don't we do not do things in order here. We're not professionals. Collegia's already started recording. All right, fine. Yeah, all right. Welcome back. Part three. Uh, and the questions we should have asked you uh, in part two. Gabby. The big one, Twilight, Hunger Games, or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Okay, very confident on that one. I I kind of want to go back, and, but because I don't do things in order, I'm never going to be able to go back through every episode and, and get the leaderboard. But where do we feel we sit? Oh, Harry Twi- Potter's Twilight. winning. Harry Twilight is... Harry Potter's winning. I, Hunger Games is, I think, uh, a valiant second, but I don't. has there been anyone had a vote for Twilight? Hunger Games was a strong starter. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think any fully grown adult is going to be like, yeah, I uh, Twilight for me. Yeah, maybe when I was 13. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, toughest opponent you've ever played against? Justin MPL? Uh, anywhere. You've played against some people for glory as well, though. Mm. Probably Melbourne City. Yeah? Okay. Well, individual players? Yeah. Jess Fishlock. Okay. All right. Jess Fishlock. That's a deep cut. I don't, definitely I've a deep cut for uh, us, mate. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, jump in. You've already said you're a Manchester United fan, unfortunately. So we are uh, going to do a quick Premier League wrap-up. Before we get to everyone saying what their worst VAR decision of the weekend was, because there were some absolute shockers. Um, how do you see the uh, Red Devils at the moment? They've, it's obviously been a very tough uh, oh, five or six years, but it looks like maybe getting rid of Ronaldo, uh, getting rid of Maguire, Eric Ten Hag in, steadying the ship a little bit. Big win against Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. Um, I almost think United have been a bit like Balcata, where this season a little bit inconsistent, but definitely finding their feet. So hopefully onwards and upwards for I, them. I think, I know I say it every week, but is there anyone still, message us, if that, send us a message, Perth Football Podcast on Facebook, uh, leave us a message wherever you get your podcast. Tell us if you are still one of the people out there that still think Manchester United are better when Ronaldo starts games of football. Is there anyone left? I don't think so, but can we have a quick word for Marcus Rashford and how just like... He's I, much better as a... As, as a forward, he's, he's yep, I, I really who, rate who him. Would I really like him plain, as a human being as well. Who would have thought that playing players in the preferred position and giving them like detailed instructions and pu- putting people around them would help them out? Are they a worry for the top four now, Tommy? I think you have to say they are, yeah, for sure. I mean... It's not the answer I wanted to hear. Go on, though. No, you don't have to tell me what I want to hear all no, the time, Tommy. No, no I, just think <laughs> that, I just think that when you're riding the wave of momentum, and I know it's very early in the season still... Um, that that win against Arsenal will do them um, so much good in terms of their confidence going forward. 
There's, there are some questions, obviously, in terms of Maguire, Shaw, Ronaldo, who you mentioned before as well. We talk about him enough, but um, yeah, obviously encouraging as well. Good debut from Anthony last night as well. Um, he just adds that little bit of sparkle, that bit of stardust. Uh, when Sancho played well um, before his move to Man United, he was playing on the left at Dortmund as well. So I think that's something that we'll see a lot more as well now that Anthony's playing on the right. And and obviously, if they can get um, that sort of Fernandez and, and Eriksson link working together in the centre of the park, that's something that's going to hold them in good stead too. It's probably to, in front of Casemiro. It's got to feel like exciting times with them. And I do think that if they play against top teams, teams who like to hold possession, they'll have a lot of luck. They'll be really good in terms of catching teams on the counter. Um, they will have to figure out how to break down teams who do the, the deep line defense. And I think that's probably what's going to happen towards the middle of the season as teams kind of figure that stuff out. So, Which is, that's something that Liverpool and Manchester City have been struggling with this year as well. I, so th- this is why, I, I, this is shaping up to be, and I'm really hoping Liverpool can turn around their patchy start of the season because, I mean, all the metrics say still creating chances, got to turn those into wins. If we do, I think we could see an incredible top four, top five, top six uh, race. Tottenham, uh, really encouraging signs. Arsenal, very encouraging signs up until a a disappointing defeat. But two, Manchester United, who have now beaten Liverpool, beaten Arsenal. Manchester City have shown that they can be beaten and they will drop points all season, uh, along with, I think, everyone in the league. So I am so excited about this league and how it's going to shape up. Leeds are still up there somewhere in the the top 10, Tommy. They could push for a top six spot. but let's talk now about... <laughs> Why are you not, shaking not, your head? Not anymore. Not after our 5-2 loss to Brentford at the weekend. Well, I said about that. They're okay, not. we won't talk about... But they are a team that, that will do that. They have been for, for years, haven't they? That can just explode, score a bunch of goals, but then occasionally will just <laughs> the, the ship will sink. Yeah, that, that there were some defensive concerns to come out of that game. And, and yeah, now suddenly winless in three after a pretty exciting start to the season. But look, it's still... It's hard until about 10 games in, really, until you sort of know where the shake-up of the, the sort of table is going to sit. But as you say before, there's so many teams, including Brighton as well, who've started really well. And they were so exciting last night against Leicester. And I think they can cause the top teams a problem as well. Okay, well, we can probably jump around back and forth between all the other games by talking about uh, the worst VAR decisions of the weekend, which we've promised you. Um, everyone was sort of sick of talking about VAR. And then I don't think we've really talked about it much at all. If there was ever a weekend, this is the weekend to talk about it. Do you have one, Tommy, in your mind, a particularly egregious VAR co- uh, decision? Uh, my personal worst of the weekend was the Chelsea-West Ham game. What an absolute disgrace. Does anyone disagree with that? That was that was awful. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what Bowen's meant to do there, to I, be honest. I, I just... I the, the, the thing that he's... I think the instinctually, like, leave a foot down when you go in with the goalkeeper to try and win a penalty... Uh, it's and he's touched Mendy. If you did so, if anyone didn't see it, uh, late on in the game, Edward Mendy comes charging out uh, with Jared Bowen, gets there first, doesn't take the ball, which I think is his mistake. Instead, he goes to just smack, bats the ball away with his hands, and then slides into Bowen, who yeah leaves his leg trailing and and taps taps Mendy, I think, on the shoulder, who then stays down, rolls around. I mentioned to you before, I was watching um the the Merseyside derby, which disappointing result, but I actually just a thrilling, fun game to watch. And I'm kind of an adult now that who can <laughs> lose nil nil and still uh, enjoy the game. But, but there was a moment where Allison went down um, to make a save. It was blocked and he's back up on his feet. It's almost like a FIFA glitch, like where a goal, I'm like, that guy's six foot four, weighs a hundred and something kilos. And he's just bounced back to his feet. Mendy has gone down, made this safe, been tapped, tapped. I tell you, tapped, and he rolls around like his arm's about to fall off, like he's broke, like he's dislocated his shoulder or broken his collarbone. And when I've watched the highlights and I've seen that ball go in, I've just gone, yes, that serves you right. You might not have been able to get there in the first place, but that serves you right for being such a coward. And you know what happens? He go and get, goes and gets rewarded for his cowardice by somehow the VAR official saying to the ref, come over and have a look at this. So, I don't know how he decides that. But then when he actually goes over and decides that is enough, that is a foul on the goalkeeper, I'll, I'll let you have your word, because, but this just pissed me off so much because as I was saying to Kalichi before this, if let's say Virgil van Dijk's tracking back on a forward in the box and he lunges in, makes a slide tackle clean, smacks the ball out, and then there's a collision between the players. Virgil van Dijk's not getting a free kick. 
for that. He's just made the tackle. If it he, was against Florida, he'd be given a penalty. He, inst- he instigated the contact. Mendy instigated the contact, made the save. That's fine. Why does he get a free kick? I was I was just going to ask. It seems pertinent that we have because we have got a goalkeeper in the studio. Do you, do you do goalkeepers know that they're protected species? Oh, you Gabby's. do know oh, you're protected. Come she on, can't absolutely. Can't hide her smile. Is it is it one of those things where you just know that if you go there and you get to the ball first, and even if you do feel the slightest contact or you do get it, that you are probably going to get the decision ninety nine times of a hundred, even if it is coming to claim a high ball or getting down low and rushing out a goal. Look, I think something like that you probably you probably wouldn't because you wouldn't get away with it without I just, VAR. I don't know how they get. Well, I'm. He's gone. <laughs> Honestly, He's gone. my He's head. Gone. Watching that, my head, my head was. Was yours? What? How is that? A, how is that a free? I kick? didn't see it until later, and I was upset. Um, but I was. Gonna, I, I was going to ask, like, you. Yeah, you wouldn't do that as a goalkeeper, right? And and I think this absolutely is absolutely not. She and, gets back up. Of course, she does. This, this is what I wanted to. I wanted to emphasize and focus is that like the the men's game has now become a place where you are incentivized to con the referee. Whereas if you go watch a women's game, it's like there's no diving. There is, oh my God, someone's down. They're probably hurt. They're like, they're, they're probably hurt, right? Does it change as the profile goes up? As, as it becomes more popular, as there becomes more money? And do you reckon the women start rolling around like the men? What do you reckon? I or have you got more integrity? I want to say no. I want to say no, but I, ju- I just have no faith in humanity after like, the weekend. W- w- women I've... go through some much more painful things <laughs> than, like, than being tackled. <laughs> I We're not getting into that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's one for your, uh, the Kalichi's uh, maternity podcast. Um, that's, that's for another time. Yeah, were, were there others? There were there, there were a few other VAR um, controversies, but that there one was the Christian just... Eriksen one. But you know that uh, that, that one was pretty. Yeah, big. the that Christian Eriksen one brings up the uh, which was um, again for those who didn't see it got tackled on halfway. Reminded me a little bit of um, Jordan Henderson tackling Mesut Özil. You remember that Arsenal game where we just stomped them and uh, that's four four nil in twenty minutes or whatever it was, and and Özil was just sort of dallying on the ball. I think Hendo won the ball, and that was the difference in this one, where the tackler didn't really win the ball. But it was um, more, it was more um, than kind of falling over trying. Yeah, to and and so and but then how far back do you go in a build up? Surely it's 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 it gone too far. I was a big proponent for VAR. I really think it's necessary in the game. If it stops bloody Connor Cody scoring a winner, I'm all for it. But those decisions, that's uh, surely that's in the hands of the referee. A clash in midfield. What do you reckon, Tom? The, the yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it ultimately comes down to the the people who are using it. At the end of the day, the technology is there. It's there for a reason. It's there to get rid of the howler. And I think that's something we've lost. We we, we mm-hmm. seem to be we seem to be intense on re refereeing the game as opposed yep. to actually just making sure that we don't get the stinkers absolutely incorrect. I mean the the and the other thing as well is it's pretty straightforward to me. The solution is pretty clear. Get a message. The referee gets a message in his ear, goes to the screen, has a look at it for thirty to forty-five seconds, gets two angles. None of this four. I'm minutes, so sick minute, of the slow minute motions delays. as yeah. well. Like where they watch it three it, or four times in slow motion. I but do. no, watch it at full speed twice. It's I, the four or five minute delays that are the killer, and it sucks the life out of the game as it's well. So disruptive. Like you saw yeah. it even at the last Women's World Cup when they brought it in for the first time. Every second decision was VAR'd, whether it was offside, whether it was a throw-in, they brought it all back to VAR, and the game just dragged on for so long. I do think that, like, the, the fact that the male game in particular, there is this added element of trying to con the referee and not trying to just play the game. You've added this third person who you're trying to, like, get the better of. And it's that not even it's, now, it's a fourth yeah. person that you're trying to con. You're trying to con the... Vi- you're so, con so the VAR Mendy... Well. Trying to con Men- technology. Yeah, well, well, Edward Mendy is... He does not get that decision from the referee, and he will never get that decision. In in a month of Sundays, he will never get a free kick for that uh, live. He has got a he has got a free kick for that because they've gone slow motion. Uh, who was do you know who the on-field referee was in that game? Not it doesn't really matter and I, I'm not here to like uh, lambast any one individual, but he's seen it live. It's not even an afterthought that that could possibly be a free kick. They replay it. They slow it down. They get a freeze frame. And when he's come over to the screen, the first freeze frame he sees is that little bit of leg left in on on the goalkeeper. And sure, if you've jumped over and then kicked the goalkeeper, that's that's probably a free kick. But it's a dangly leg that has brushed him. And I, I was, you know, disappointed me the most in all this was Thomas Tuchel, who I, I thought how, if you have any shame at all, 
if you have any ounce of bipartisanship in you, have you no shame? Yeah, this he, he, absolutely shameless to come out and say, "No, I thought that was the correct decision, and that's a free kick." That is a disgrace. I, th- I think the the other one, which is interesting, and that I saw from the weekend is we've we've become used to watching an incident happen where somebody is clearly offside and then the play unfolds for another 10 to 15 seconds and then the offside flag belatedly goes up. And I can see Gabby nodding because she's already um, unimpressed with that one. That but, was the other but, one. But the Coutinho. other one was, was the Coutinho oh. one. And and the we're, we've, we've become so used to seeing the game being refereed in a certain way, but then the flag was up so soon and then the shot gets rattled into the top corner and How? it was at a crucial point of the game. When, when Philip Coutinho has already scored against Manchester City on the last day of the season, the referee's gone, oh, flag's gone up. Coutinho's cutting inside, 20 yards out on his preferred right foot. The, the Literally, the, the main thing he brings to a football game is this exact goal. You've got to not, you've not, not just have some football awareness. You've got to have an understanding, even if it's not Coutinho, you've just let this play. He's cutting in to have a shot. Let him take that shot. Don't blow the whistle when he's about to pull the trigger. But I think we're thinking that because of the way that we've become accustomed to watching the game being refereed and being officiated. In previous times, we've been encouraging the referees to make their decisions and stick to their guns and make their calls. And that's but, fine but, if it's clear. That's fine if it's clear. Or if there's the other one is if there's a collision coming. That but, I, that's, but the, that's the one that annoys but, people but, if there's a chance of injury. No, but the referee did make. He did stick the flag up, and he thought it was offside. Okay, it was a mistake, but we still should be empowering referees to make those decisions. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's because of the way in which we've been accustomed to the game being refereed which is why it was such a surprise to see it unfold as it did at the weekend. But, but that's it the the way the games that sort of thing I don't think is is the problem like letting letting play go when it's a a close offside. And and regardless of there is no way that linesman could have thought it was a clear obvious offside. I mean there is a way and obviously he did. But in that situation it's it's got to be so close and again it's so close with a player cutting in 20 yards out about to pull the trigger. Just let him have the shot. What's the, what's the harm? What's the solution, Gabby? The harm in that is when it's a really blatantly obvious offside, and I cop a ball to the face, and then he pulls it back for offside. That's the killer. Yeah, but you're tough. You're tough enough to take it, aren't you? You're you're still standing. Did you I die? might want the free kick though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, what what else did we have over the weekend? Any other results? As I mentioned, the Merseyside derby. We're probably not going to talk too much about that, not because of the result, but Ooh, just I the... actually really enjoyed it. I thought before I jump onto you, I thought Everton um, actually really showed a bit of spirit. They didn't. I was expecting, as I talked to you about it before. A lot of time wasting, the same cramp and garbage we saw from Newcastle. But I don't like saying it, but hats off to Everton. They came out. They wanted to play. Pickford got the ball and he wanted to get it back into play quickly because they sensed blood. They thought they could win the game. They could have. We could have. Good game of football, Kalichi. Good game of uh, Merseyside Derby. I think that was a ninth draw in 11. So kind of kind of used to that. But the most side. entertaining one. I, I, oh, for I, sure. did, I did enjoy it. Sure. I was going to go off topic uh, and do that hipster thing that we did last time. <laughs> Classic. Um, and, and basically give a quick word out to Jaguars. They're three games away from winning the Amateur Premier Leagues. Uh, they are playing the team in second and the team in third. And Is this because they don't get enough recognition and it's, and it's a conspiracy? According to Friday's Eco, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, someone did succumb to the Perth Football Podcast curse. Did you see that? I obviously just briefly mentioned Tammy Abraham at the end of the last one, and then Roma got beat 4 0. Udinese spanked, I think it was Udinese, spanked them Ooh, this week. Let's see if we can do this. Gabby, you didn't vote in the Players Player of the Year, did you? Oh, oh come I think I ran on. out of time. You but ran you've out called of time. Me. You've called but, me out but, on the but, pod. But, but, but while you're here, can you think of some players that you would have voted for? Yes. Who would you have voted for, goalkeeper, goalkeeper of the Year? I don't know. Oh, she wants it. They all vote for themselves. Can I just all say, of them. every single goalkeeper. I want to say that every goalkeeper that voted, voted for themselves. Yes. And that's probably why I didn't vote. Yes. Uh, no, that not everyone. Every. Did, not oh, oh, everyone in the. Well, we're not. We shouldn't oh, be every, giving out their every, votes. I'm pretty sure everyone voted for themselves. But okay. Who would you vote for um, wide defender? I think you can't go past Emily Dunn. She's been mm. one of the most consistent fullbacks all year and for a number of years as well. So I think she, she definitely sits at the top of the list. Central defender. And if you don't say my pick, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Just trying to like pick it up off you now. Um, I think Kim Carroll's always been a good performer. Yeah, but she's just red. Yeah, like, okay. we, we already know about that. If it couldn't okay. be Kim. Probably Laura Waltman. 
Oh, great shout. Elizabeth's got to be fuming at you right now. Great shout. I thought she had a fantastic season. I think so too, and I might. Can we? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She, no, no. she actually might kill me. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, so, no, EJ. Cool. EJ, if you're listening, you were my pick, but um, Gabby d- EJ, doesn't. EJ, you doesn't. were my pick too, but I didn't want to seem biased. She doesn't rate you. Doesn't rate you. Wouldn't vote oh. for herself. Wouldn't vote for a centre. I guess that's fair enough. Uh, uh, who have you got as wide forward? You can pick anyone from your team or you can pick opposition, of course. I feel like you can't go past Larry. Yeah, thank you. At Red Star. A lot of people have somehow. But, um, <laughs> but even, you know, Jamie Lee Gale, when she's played played out there as well, you know, she's a great decision maker on the ball and combines really well with, with her teammates too. Perfect. And centre midfielder and striker. Oh, Mon Godding's got to be my pick for centre midfielder. She's, she's had a great year. Yeah, she always has a great year. Um, and I think just gets better and better. Every year, so I can't go past her. And your big number nine, Tanika Lala. La 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 la. Love it. She's such a such a classic number nine. She, you know, she can hold the ball up. She can run off the ball. She she's got she that bit of je ne sais quoi. She's got a bit of bit of tenacity. So she's yeah. always looking to score. Like it doesn't yeah. matter like w- what the angle is. She's like, I'll just shoot from here. Exactly. All right, guys. I'm out of breath. That's been a another wonderful podcast, and we couldn't do this without you, the listener. So thank you for. Being here, you can now take us out of your ear holes if uh, you so uh, if you are so inclined. Um, but once you do that, jump on your Spotify's, jump on your Podbeans, jump on your Apple Podcasts, give us a five star, give us a four star if you want to give us some constructive criticism as well. I'll cop that. Um, but please, if you do share, like, rate, subscribe, every little uh, vote we get does help spread the podcast. So we really, really do appreciate. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, we'll be back. Not next. many episodes left, so make sure you get to uh, to, to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, probably next well. Monday, and I'm sure we'll be back once the Women's World Cup kicks off. But I've been Sean Fry. It's been a pleasure having you. This has been Kalichi Osunwa. Uh, remember, be careful, be kind while we still can. Tommy Dolman, thank you once again. Thanks, Sean. And thank you, Gabby Del Busco. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.